nowadays, I think people just get in this consumption pattern. And they're just always looking for the answers and they, they're not ready. It's just someday I'm going to do this. I'm just going to keep going to these conventions. I'm going to keep reading all these books. I'm going to listen to all these podcasts and they never take action. So start today. Take the first steps today. Friends and family. Doesn't matter, I don't care if it's your mom or your dad, or your grandma, people that are robbing your energy and making you feel lesser than you are do not belong in your life, period. The real problem is that if you do not have any critics or haters right now, I hate to tell you, it just means you're obscure and it means you're not doing anything that's worth noticing. I'm Coach Des, mindset motivator and lifestyle entrepreneur. My mission is to help you crush your self-limiting beliefs and embrace being unapologetically you. The Born Unbreakable podcast brings you inspirational stories from all over the world that will empower you to unlock your unbreakable spirit. I'd love to partner with you on your next breakthrough. Go to bornunbreakable.com to schedule a free transformational call. Action begins today. Welcome to the Born Unbreakable podcast. So I have to say that I've done many interviews in my years of podcasting, and it's I, it's rare that I have these moments where I actually get a little nervous because I'm so excited about the topic. <laughs> and this is one of those moments. This is one of those moments. So I have today with me Tony Watley, who is a 20 plus year serial entrepreneur. He is a coach and a speaker and so many amazing things. And here's the funny thing. I've actually seen Tony in a lot of different circles with friends, with people I do business with. And that's how you know somebody is a somebody. When everywhere you look, this person is there and everyone is seeking their mentorship in some way, shape or form. So I have been impressed with this man before I even had an opportunity to really get to know everything about him. And so I would venture to say this is probably going to be the, one of the most valuable podcast episodes that I've done all year. And I've done a lot of them. Um, and it's because it's on a topic that I think is so relevant to many, if not all listeners that come to the Board Unbreakable podcast. And we're talking about the side hustle. Tony has this incredible book called The Side Hustle Millionaire, and he is a product of it. So he is an actual story of being a person who became a millionaire from doing a side hustle. And it's it's fascinating. It's an amazing book. I'm listening to it on Audible, which I'm so glad you did that because you actually said it in the book, you know, being able to get quality information when you can listen to it in a podcast form like we're doing now or a book is really the best way and the fastest way to get information. Um, and plus, it takes me forever to read any kind of actual tangible book. Um, so with all of that said, Tony, thank you for taking the time out of your insanely probably busy schedule to be here on the show today. Well, you know, with a welcome like that, I can't help but to give you the best energy possible. And uh, I'm really looking forward to this conversation and glad we still got to connect at Lewis Howe's event a few months ago. And it was a lot of fun. And, you know, here we are. And let's give some value to these listeners. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. Well, I think value, Tony, begins with your story. So I'd love, you know, I know about learning from you that you, you grew up in Texas and, you know, uh, your parents had the 
the kind of life that I think generations before us had where they worked really hard and put their head down, but not necessarily of the entrepreneurial breed. And somehow you, you know, worked really hard too and did the corporate thing, but found your way to expand out of that. So I would love to start with your personal story. Yeah, I would say that I'm the product product of two very disciplinarian parents. And my mom's a Japanese immigrant. I was actually born in Japan myself on a military base. And my dad was in the US Marines as a Vietnam combat vet. And when they came back after the war, we chose Texas because there was jobs here for my dad to work in the oil refineries and you know, worked in labor career his, his entire life. And my mom was a high school cafeteria worker her entire career. They're both retired now. They're traveling the world, doing things, having fun in their, in their 70s, right? But, you know, I got to see the value of hard work. And my mom really valued education because as a, as a woman in Japan of her era, the baby boomer era, the Japanese women were kind of looked at as second-class citizens. And they got pulled out of the school system around junior high and they had to go work in the farms. So she never got to go to high school and do those things like the boys did. So she always valued education. And to give you guys an idea of the discipline that I received from that front, I never missed a single day of school from kindergarten through graduation. So yes, I had 13 years of perfect attendance. And I think that used to bother me probably early on in my childhood, but at some point I grew as my identity and I said, you know what, I could do it one year, I can do it every year. So I showed up every single day and I was fine. And, you know, and unless I was deathly sick, I was getting on that bus. And, you know, fortunately I always had a really good immune system. So I was pretty good at that. And I was very strict. And so my dad was all the, the Marine Sergeant, you can see like from all the movies and barking orders and, you know, being on time and being respectful and doing all the right things and having your core values. Like, that was dad. So I got a double dose of disciplinarian, you know, from the parents. And that's re really kind of drives me now. I, I, I understand a lot of people are lacking accountability. They don't understand how to be passionate about the process that they're following in life. And so I, I understand now that I kind of grew up a little unusual, but I didn't understand that as a kid or really even up to my thirties, I didn't understand how unusual my life was as a kid or growing up, but now I understand that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know what it's like to with the military family. I too come from a military family. My father was in the U.S. Army, and uh, all my uncles that that's there they're out in uh, Hawaii, so not a bad place to have to hang out and, and do work. But um, I I think the value of discipline, you know, it I, especially as we mature, shows itself to pay dividends not just in your your the personal way that you perform, but absolutely in business. You know, it's it takes that extra discipline to to be able to to persevere past anything. So I love knowing about your foundation, but but let's get to the side hustle because you you started a business that was an online community and suddenly in five years you're able to sell it for millions of dollars. How did that come about? What was the story behind that? So the thing was, is that I was always looking for new skills and knowledge along the way before that, long before that business was created. I was always looking for things to make extra money because I truly wasn't where I wanted to be. And that was something that I always had in my mind is playing like a repeat cycle soundtrack. Like I'm just not where I want to be. So how do I get there? And the only thing I knew up until those points was picking up extra jobs or working extra shifts or getting some overtime or asking for that raise. It was always having to ask other people for other things to get what I wanted. And, and guys, just to give you a perspective, I made this post on Facebook actually two days ago. 
I said, there was a period of two years of my life that I was actually waiting tables seven days a week for two years with an engineering degree that I paid for myself while working an engineering job. And most people would think, well, that's kind of crazy. Like you had an engineering salary and you're still waiting tables. Yes, because that soundtrack was, I am not where I want to be. And before we fired up this microphone, you shared a little bit of that story about yourself, not wanting, you're not where you want to be yet. So how do we get there? So I was always looking for new skills and new knowledge to be able to learn to do things that, that can create some kind of a side income. And I was always fascinated with computers. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to learn how to build websites because I've always been creative and visual and an artistic type person. And I always looked at websites and graphic design as like, that's just art on a digital canvas. Like I need to learn how to do this. So I got my bootleg copy of Photoshop from a friend and I taught myself by reading books. And there's a funny, cause there's a shelf behind me. Maybe you guys are listening, but the ones watching, there's a bookshelf behind me and there's actually the book that changed my life. You know, like everybody's like thinking yes. some, some deep theory book or mindset breaking book. And now it's like creating HTML, like four for windows. And it's like <laughs> from 19, I think it's from 1996. Yeah. I think it's a 1996. Like if you go find it, it's gold, but that book, I would get home from work. I would practice doing what it says, how to code HTML. Cause back then, we didn't have the drag and drop stuff. You actually had to create the graphic and then we had to slice the graphic into little pieces and cut out the little buttons. And it was like this little map, like a roadmap we had built on the screen and the button, you put the X, Y coordinates in and it would go there and how to make that thing click and make it a button. So we had it a lot harder back then to make these websites, but I taught myself how to do that because I realized that a lot of companies out there weren't on the internet. They didn't know how to get on the internet. They didn't have a website. And I said, man, I, I like cars. And I don't have any money for car parts. So maybe I can learn how to build these websites and trade them the website for whatever they build for cars. And then I can get free car parts. So it's like this barter system I had in my mind. And that's how it initially started out. And eventually we started to this community. We're all members of another community that was the first one to the space for the General Motors performance cars. And unfortunately, the owner of that website, well, I would say fortunately now looking back, he just wasn't managing the company very well. And sometimes you'd go log into the website and it wouldn't even exist. It would just be gone. And we're thinking, man, all these how-to articles I created, all these video things and all these things, we spent hours and hours creating free content for this guy. And he didn't pay a server bill, so they would just hard delete it. And he wasn't smart enough to do backups. So we would lose all of our information, all of our love and dedication to his website. And here's the thing is like a few of us that were the key leaders of that site, we, wanted, we approached them and said, look, we see you have advertisers. We know you're making money. So why don't you just pay your bills or at least back up the website? And instead of taking that as constructive feedback from his best supporters, he said, well, if you think you could do a better job, why don't you go start your own website? And that's what I did. And most people think that they got to go start a business. They got to think that the only way they're going to be successful is be an inventor and be Elon Musk and come up with things and have these brilliant ideas that you monetize to billions of dollars. It's not true because 95% of companies out there that you and I both use every day are just a better version or a newer version or a slightly more improved version of something that already existed. They don't have to be, you don't have to be an inventor. You just have to improve things. So I said, okay, we'll go do that. And eventually that community grew to over 300,000 registered members. We were making about 400,000 a year profit from all the advertising revenues and the racing events and the things that we did around the country and really just focused on building a community. And it wasn't about the money, you know, the, the millions of dollars and stuff that came later, 
I just wanted a cool place on the internet for my car friends to come and talk about cars. And that's what I built. It's like, I can build websites. I, I can do this. So I did that and I read the book on how to create a server and upload the software and flip all the switches and do all these kind of things. And, you know, I just wanted to really focus on having a place that was not going to be gone when somebody logged in. It would actually be a good steward of the information that people were creating for us. And that's what I did. And it just grew and it grew and it grew and it attracted bigger sponsors. We had over a hundred thousand people per day visiting that website to give you guys an idea for traffic. And this was 2001 to 2007, that time frame. Amazing. Early today. Like I think about that business of what it would be today. It'd be like 10 times the number of, you know, people that would probably visit it if we were talking, you know, 2022. So that's, that's amazing. So, you know, one of the questions that come to mind, and I, and, and this is why everybody needs to get the book because it will give you like the full blown version of some of the snippets that we may talk about today is you mentioned start, starting up, mm -hmm. right? And I know with the, if it was this business, it was $350 maybe that you spent. Yeah. That was a software license for the V bulletin software. Yeah. Okay. So I think one of the first things that people say, you're, you're here, you're listening to this podcast, you like, you're like side hustle. Yes, mm -hmm. I'm in. I like what I do, pretty good at it. I don't really wanna quit that because it's, it's some stability. Mm -hmm. But I do wanna grow something and I do wanna make it my own and I, I have some passions and I'm willing to take the time. So they're already willing, but they're like, but I don't, the capital. The month. So do I borrow it? Like, how do I get started with this side hustle? I got a lot of ideas, but I don't have a lot of capital. There's a issue with most people who are not willing to start and they create these big dreams. And I'm all big. I'm all for big dreams. Like go get some big dreams, but you also have to be realistic and not be so delusional. You have to kind of be where you're at. You have to go, okay, what is the skill set and the knowledge that I currently have? What are the tools and things and resources that I currently have? And what can I build with this or given this? Or what can I be willing to learn over the next few months to be able to create that business? Because most people have this dream business. We all have a dream business. This is like reaching for the stars. Like if you were to ask me what my dream business was when I probably started this company, it was like, man, I would like to own a Ferrari dealership on a racetrack in a beautiful setting with a lake and some mountains in the background. I mean, that just sounds awesome. I still look awesome to me today, but I'm also not a billionaire. So that's not a realistic business for me to go start. And so where most people fail is they go, well, I guess I'm not a billionaire, so I can't start that business. I guess it's just not in the cards for me. Just not going to do it. So that gives them a really convenient excuse not to go start something. So I actually talk about this in the book. I talk about staircase businesses. So, Maybe you can't go build that $1 million company because you don't have the time or the resources and knowledge yet, but maybe you can go create that business that makes you $5,000 a month and you can grow that one and learn some really important skills about entrepreneurship and learn your flaws and the strengths that you have. And then maybe that's growing enough to cash flow and you could sell that. And maybe you go build the thing that creates $100,000 a year. And then maybe you grow that one for a couple of years. And you go sell that one. And then now you're in the millionaire type range where you're starting to build companies in the seven and eight figures. So just think about what you can build today, given your experience, your knowledge, your resources, the tools that you have, the things that you have access to, the networks that you may already have that can help springboard that. Go start that today and understand that you don't have to have all the answers because I sure as hell didn't have all the answers when I started the companies. Entrepreneurs, the best ones I know today are the ones that just learn as they go 
They take it on the chin once in a while. They get up, they dust themselves off. They learn the lesson. Sometimes it costs you time. Sometimes it costs you money. Sometimes it costs you both, but you learn that lesson. That's the lesson you learn. And I think nowadays, Des, is that too many people are so focused on consuming information because information is so readily available. I mean, you have these awesome podcasts like yours and mine and YouTube and all these authors finally sharing their knowledge. Where were they 20 years ago? They weren't sharing any knowledge 20 years ago. They were keeping it to themselves, right? And this, we didn't have the YouTube and we didn't have the podcast. So you literally had to go figure it out for yourself. But that wave of entrepreneurs was far more resilient and determined to become successful because we didn't have information. So maybe we were just ignorant at the time. Maybe that's the real reason, right? We were just ignorant at the time because we didn't know any better. But nowadays, I think people just get into this consumption pattern. There's always looking for the answers and they, they're not ready. It's just someday I'm going to do this. I'm just going to keep going to these conventions. I'm going to keep reading all these books. I'm going to listen to all these podcasts and they never take action. So start today. Take the first steps today. Jackpot. Jackpot. And I mean, I can agree with you more. It's consumption over action. And at some point, you just have to take the first step or else you'll find an excuse every day not to get started. Oh, my website's not perfect. Oh, you know, I, I need to hire a strategist for that. I need I need I don't have money for that. So first, I got to wait till I have money for that. There's like you will absolutely find every excuse to not get started. But that brings me to a point, And I, I probably should have started with this because you mentioned this and I am in full agreement. And you talk about mindset, starting with mindset, because if you don't have the right mindset, you're probably not going to, you know, on the monopoly board, go any further, collect $200 and go around the whole thing. Like, forget about it, right? So what would you say about mindset that's imperative if you're anybody who's thinking you're gonna become an entrepreneur? Yeah, mindset is the foundation that is required for success. It's not something you can skip past. It's not something that you can think of as a woo-woo thing. And I'm just gonna be like, oh, I don't need the woo-woo thing. I need the, the silver bullet and the magic potions and the, the, the you know all these things to kind of shortcut the mindset. But the mindset is your limiting factor. It's the thing that if you don't have the belief systems in place or learn to unlearn the things that we learn from our parents or society or our teachers or the people that we surround ourselves with, like we spend more time nowadays unlearning things instead of trying to learn new things. If you could just spend more time unlearning the beliefs that you carry or the limiting beliefs, especially, and things about maybe stigmas around money or stigmas around being a salesperson because, ooh, salesperson, salespeople are sleazy and I don't want to be a salesperson. Like, you know what? If you want to be successful in business, you have to be a master at sales and marketing. These are things that are tasks that are required for success. If you're not selling something, you're never going to make money. And if you're afraid of talking about money, you're never going to make money. And that's a big one. That's a stigma that I think a lot of people carry, especially when we grow up middle class, lower middle class in the United States. Now, the funny thing about this is like people in poverty, they actually talk about money more than the middle class does. Most people don't realize that. Poverty people, when they don't have money, they're always focused on how am I going to get mine? How am I going to get some more money? How am I going to go hustle and get some more money? They're, they're talking with each other about how to go get money. Now, they may not have the answers to go create that, but they're more comfortable about talking about money. So what happens is when people get in the middle class, parents go, oh, don't, 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 don't talk about money. That, that's just kind of, it's impolite and you know, it's, it's boasting. And there's just like all these negative stigmas around talking about money. And, and when I grew up in this town, I was in the, the crappy neighborhood of a nice town that still had some affluence. And I had some friends that had parents that were rich. And I remember going to their houses and I've been sitting around the table having dinner. 
And the parents who are well off are talking about money and talking about investments and talking about which degrees are worth the, the investment and which ones you should never get because that's a waste of money. And so they were always talking to their kids about money. It was a very comfortable conversation. Well, that didn't happen in my house. Like in my house, it was like, quit spending money. Like we're, we're always don't have money. Like clip these coupons. It was always like this negative stuff around money. So if that sounds like you, then you've got a lot of unlearning to do. And that's an unfortunate fact, but it's also a great realization that you're gaining the awareness in these moments. So the money thing, most people hold themselves back because they're so afraid about talking about money. And guys, if you're afraid of talking about money, you're never going to have it. That's, that's the hard truth. So that's one thing that you got to get over. Now, surround yourself with people who are comfortable talking about money. That's the best way to get there fast. Yeah. Who's the circle? I mean, it's, you know, Jim Rohn talks to us about who are the five people that you spend the most time with and, and what does that look like? And I, I, I can't stress that enough myself. You know, if you're, if you're the person that is the teacher more times than you are the student, then it's probably a good time to evaluate the people that you have around you because you should always be learning something. I mean, I think, I think when I look at entrepreneurs like yourself and everyone else that I admire, everyone's always in a student seat even though they're very successful. They're still, they're doing the consuming, but they're taking a whole lot of action. And I think that's the difference between the ones who actually get a little further and are still, you know, watching the YouTube videos or whatever it is. Um, one of the biggest things, Tony, that has struck me, you know, I think it's part, is because it's part of my own personal journey and being an entrepreneur, but it's, it's something that comes up a lot for people that I talk to that are small business owners and it's scale is like, I feel good with where things are. I, I have systems in place now where people can pay for my services or my products. I, I have good marketing. I have a website. I have a good elevator pitch, but I'm, and I'm consistent, which is nice, but how do I take this and make it bigger and bigger and bigger? I don't, I, you know, do I have to hire an army or something? You know, I think scale is one of the biggest things that come up where I see people get stuck in entrepreneurship. I'd love your insights about that. Well, I think that that's a very buzzy word nowadays, especially when you see all the books and the podcast titles and everything's talking about scale. And it leaves a lot of a small business owner thinking, what the hell are they talking about? What does this even mean? And the problem is, is that there are some different aspects of scaling that most people don't understand. And the one thing that most people really lack is marketing and sales. They don't have the leads coming in. So they think that I need to scale my business. They think that scale just means more profit or more revenue. That's the thing that they have in their mind It's a simplified version, but they just have a, a lead gen problem. They're not marketing themselves. They don't have a flood of calls coming in and they're having to turn away business. Okay. That's when you start to realize like when you genuinely need to scale is when you're having to turn away business because you do not have the team or the fulfillment or the capacity to be able to process all those leads and the potential sales that you have. So you're not ready to scale unless you're turning away business. Let's put it that way. That's, that's, let's get that out of our mind. And the other thing I should have said this at the beginning. So the start here, I always ask people, why do you want to scale? Why? What is the why, what is the reason you want to scale? And most people will just think, well, I just want to make more money. It's like, okay, at what expense? 
Is it at, at a higher expense of more hours on demand or higher stress or maybe strained relationships with your husband or wife? Or maybe your kids don't like you because you're working 16 hours a day and they never see you. So there's a lot of things that are potential trade-offs just to chase money. And here's the other thing I see that's also the, probably spurred on by Instagram, right? And comparison, because we're looking at all these entrepreneurs nowadays and seeing what they're putting out there and like, oh, that person's super rich and this person's doing some amazing things and all that. So it's a comparison game. And the problem is, is that when we start to think about the size of the company, is it something that, what, what are we seeing? What are we not seeing, right? What, what are we not seeing on the background? And it's, it's, it's these comparisons and thinking I'm behind somebody or I'm ahead of somebody, it's, it's rooted in ego and it's not healthy ego. I mean, there's positive and healthy ego that, that really is a driver for success, but it's also unhealthy ego, which is a comparison game. Now, sometimes people will come to me and they hire me as a coach and they want to, they, they're like in the seven figures and they want to get to eight figures. So they want to go from, you know, 5 million to 10 million sales revenue. And that's their question. It's like, why? Why do you want that? And I already know the answer. It's because they think that they're going to be validated as a more successful entrepreneur and they can check a box that I'm an eight-figure entrepreneur and that they're going to somehow feel better about themselves because they hit some revenue target, sometimes at the sacrifice of their profit margin, right? Because there are, believe it or not, there are eight-figure business owners out there that actually make less profit, which is the most important thing, than a hot dog stand guy sitting outside of a ballpark. There's literally people with $10 million companies that are losing hundreds of thousands of dollars every year because their business grew, yeah, it scaled incorrectly without the right processes and team and the people in place. And they're bleeding money or they're having to spend way more money on the digital marketing than they thought because algorithms have changed and iOS things have changed and it just killed 40% of their traffic. So guys, you got to think about where's your fulfillment, where's your happiness in life and start to understand that there is a balance. Okay. And some of the best clients I've had have actually reduced their top line revenue, their sales number to a more comfortable level, scaled back the size of their team and the people they had to manage in order to get more freedom for themselves to be able to travel, go spend more time with their family have more fun and do things that truly matter, building memories versus material wealth. Yeah, I, I, I mean, that's, I do think that's the biggest thing. And I, you, you pointed out something that is so much more dominant, so much more prevalent over the, the last, you know, five plus years, which is social media. You know, I, I, I struggle, I'll be, completely transparent with you is that I, I struggle with social media because on the one hand, as a business person, you need to show your stuff, right? So people can see it, they understand what you're doing. It's a marketplace where lots of people are. So figuring out how to get people to you is is, is a great thing. You know, it's a little, little bit more than just the website. But at, this, at the same time, if you don't have the right mindset, which you were just talking about, you get in that trap of the comparison of all, oh, what about, oh, and then you, then you start going, I'm missing this because this person does that. Oh, I'm, now I need to add a whole nother thing because that person does these TikTok videos and, or something, I'm just making up whatever, but you know, you start seeing all these things and all of a sudden it becomes a, an obsession of, I need to do what all these other people are doing or I'm not going to be successful. And that's, that is, it's, it's a chat like I don't I don't feel personally trapped by it, but I feel like it's a challenge as I get into different circles with entrepreneurs where there isn't probably 
anyone I talk to that isn't like, oh, dang it. I really, I really need to figure that out. I really need to, you know, I got, I got to up my game on, on the social media thing. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I, I hear you, <laughs> you know? So I, I don't know if you, you know, your perspective on that or just, you know, kind of a reining in that you might do for anybody that is, you know, kind of gets obsessive over all the, all the different ways that you could do all the things on social media. Here, here's the thing that I actually could deliver a speech on this. I talk about the acceleration curve of success. Okay. Cause it's nerdy. I'm an engineer. Bear with me. So I want everybody to kind of visualize an XY graph, really simple. There's a vertical axis and a horizontal axis, and it's an acceleration curve. Just think of like a car, like an like a fast car. They accelerate really fast, and you know, slow cars take a while, but they're still accelerating, and eventually they'll get to the same speed. It just takes them a little longer. Some cars are accelerating, and then they're breaking down, and they're they're actually losing power, and they're starting to decelerate, and they're kind of going downhill on the curve, right? So when you compare yourself to other people, it's normal to take a snapshot of this very instant in time. So it's a vertical, like one little line, if you're looking across these curves of today. So you look at somebody and you assess they're ahead of me and you see other people, are, I'm ahead of them. And so we're always comparing on that one little snippet of time, which is today. And the problem with comparison is that we don't know the acceleration curves of those individuals or yourself. The only one that you actually have control of is the acceleration curve of you. So it's not really relevant where people are relatively to today because that person that you perceive that's ahead of you, they may be actually on a decline acceleration curve. Maybe they're about to make some bad decisions, take some bad actions, and they're going to decline and your acceleration curve is going to go past them at that point, right? Or maybe that person that's below you that you're not giving the time of day and you're just acting like, I'm kind of a big deal and I'm just way ahead of you and don't bother me because we do get that, right? Even in this industry, no matter who you are, that person that you perceive as below you may actually have a much faster acceleration curve than you, and they're going to pass you. You don't want that mud on your face when you're having to go back downhill to wave high to them as they're climbing up. So think about these acceleration curves and how they interact and understand that snapshot of today is not that important, but you get to control that acceleration curve that you are. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That is just, that is just so true. And inevitably, no matter where you are in life, there's always people in front of you and there are always people behind you. So it's, it's kind of a constant thing. And the only thing you can control is you. So what's, you know, what's the difference of where you spend your energy? It's, it's either it could be on yourself or it could be worrying about what every other person is doing that you have no control over anyways. But I, so I have to ask you this because this is, this is another wonderful thing that you do is your 365 community, your 300, your 365 driven community. So you have this community and I'd, I'd love to learn more about it. You've, you know, if, if anyone's listening, I'll put the link to Tony's website um, in there. So you could click on it, definitely check it out. He has a Facebook group, um, but there's such valuable, I think it's, there's one thing for information. That's awesome. I love it. You could go research anything and become an expert way quicker than you could ever before. But what I found is in community with like-minded people, that's an accelerator. You know, that's a, hey, I don't know shit about marketing. There's these 10 marketing people that own these agencies. Maybe I can ask them some questions about that and see where it goes. I'd love to learn about how you started your community and, and what, you know, what's going on with it today. Well, it goes back to the the former communities that I built. I built the LS1 Tech, the, the performance car community. Then I built performancetrucks.net, which was a racing truck community. 
And that, that one was actually a pretty big website on its own. That one has 270,000 members. So two massive communities I've built. But the other topic that I've always been fascinated with was business. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to take the same leadership styles, the same core values, the same principles and the standards, and I'm going to go create an entrepreneurship community because that's what I like to do is build communities. And it's not about me. So that's one distinction. We could actually make a whole episode on community building because a lot of people mistake that for influencer type strategy, which is not the same as community, because I'll give you a real quick version of that. An influencer, let's think about standing at the top of the pyramid. They got their arms stretched up because they think it's all about them. And they got these fan base below them. And they're just like, hey, I'm super awesome. And you're here to watch me because I'm super awesome. And I'm entertaining too. And maybe I look good, right? So that's the one-way conversation that influencers have with their audience. They don't have this two-way conversation. And they don't give a crap if you guys in the audience base are friends. They don't care because it's a one-way conversation. Now, a community leader, same pyramid, but it's upside down. And the community owner is on the bottom floor holding his arms up same, but he's holding this upside down pyramid in his hand and he's supporting it from the bottom. But it is, even though he's the leader or she is the leader of the community, it's not about her or him. It's about how do I make each and every one of the members of my community become lifelong friends? I want them to be friends, whether I'm a part of that triangle or not, but I'm going to go create the, the virtual bar, so to speak, where they always come back and people hang out and they recognize and people are welcome to see them. So that's the difference between an influencer thing and a community builder. So I wanted to go do that with the entrepreneurs because I saw that there was a lack. I was invited to these Facebook groups and things like that. And it's like a spam fest and people were just always talking about their own business or posting or ditching, uh, ding and ditch or whatever. They just post their ad and they would leave and they would never answer any questions. They'd never participate. They never do anything, but just pitch themselves. Like this is what an entrepreneurship Facebook group looks like. This is trash. This is trash. So you got to be strong as a leader of a community too. You have to be able to get rid of the spammers, get rid of the people that are self-serving, get rid of the assholes, the people that are rude to people and just always trying to start fights because guys, I, I did this with the automotive community, a racing community. Imagine like the egos that I had to manage, but the value of being in that group and the access to the information and the industry that we had was such a high value proposition that they behaved because if they didn't, we would just ban their IP and they wouldn't be able to log in ever again. So they knew that, Hey, these people don't take that crap. So they, they just behaved. And that's the way I run my groups now, because I've also seen some of these groups just grow for the sake of numbers. There's that ego thing. I just want as many people in my group as possible. And they, they try to get to a hundred thousand users and they feel like super braggadocious about that. And you go in there and people are just trash talking each other and making fun of the new people. And well, that's a stupid question. You should go use Google and just be really condescending or, or they're, they're flexing or just like all these crazy egos. And sometimes you even see the group leaders kind of facilitating the garbage. They're just, they're like part of it. They're like jumping in with that. And like, you guys are not leaders. Like, this is a terrible community because I realize from communities that the people that have the most information, the people that actually do have the heart to actually help other people, they will not participate in communities that are like that because they don't need the backlash or the retaliation or the childish antics. So until you clear the house of all those negative people, the toxic people, the people that actually have value are just going to kind of lurk in the shadows and hang out and not do anything. So you got to think about that when you're building these communities and 365 driven is just that. I mean, we have entrepreneurs, we have seven, six, even some nine figure business owners in that community. No billionaires that I know of. Maybe there's one hiding out there, but none that I know of in there that are billionaires, but several that are hundred plus millionaires. And if you ask a question, people will give you answers if you're very sincere about it, right? You can't go in there and just 
be asking all the time. You also got to be the one that's contributing and answering other people's questions that you know the answers to. Yeah, no, that's, that is so huge. And, and you're right. I mean, it's one of those things where I think the pandemic was an interesting time. And I think that's why this, we're so primed to be talking about this subject of entrepreneurship, side hustles. Because I do think, you know, before we started recording, we started talking about this a little bit. It almost invigorated, whether it was desired or forced, <laughs> people to think about where they are in life, which I always think is a good exercise. Yes. Are you where you want to be? If you're not, what do you want to do about that? And, and it's not just about money. It's, it's just anything spiritually, relationship wise, if you feel things are dwindling, it's all doing a gut check and an inventory is always a healthy exercise. I think the pandemic exacerbated that yes. because in some ways you didn't have any other choice. You just by yourself a lot, you know, or maybe if you there's people you lived with and you were with them, but that was about it. So it, it was this deep introspection, hopefully that people were able to do to go like, shit, like I, what am I doing? Who am I hanging out with? What kind of online communities are there? And I saw this uptick of people just thirsty for like some sense of connection because as humans, I think that is one thing that we crave is connection, even if it has to be online for a little while. Um, and, and finding places where you could feel vulnerable and welcome and have reciprocity. I think reciprocity is the thing that comes to mind because it's, it's your, your, you're curious, you're asking a lot of things, you know, but you're also a person of contribution, like you said, where, oh, hey, I have, a, I, you know what, I have a great book about that, or I have a tool that that maybe will help you, like, let's chat offline. Those are my favorite ones to see. But, um, but I do think it does take some due diligence to find the ones that are going to be supportive, uplifting, inspirational, positive, and the ones that are just like, these people suck. Like <laughs> they're just rude and not helpful. So it is. It does seem a little bit like a weeding process you out know, there. You know, it does you, you bring up a good point about reciprocity and being a contributor to these communities, whether it's the the car communities or entrepreneurship or whatever you're interested in, right? Understand it may even be your neighborhood community that can generate you leads if you're a localized business. Now, I built three seven figure companies just by answering questions. If you boil it down and you distill it down to something very simple, it was I was the one that would just answer questions. I'm not the person that on Facebook or LinkedIn or Instagram, when I see somebody asking a genuine, genuine, sincere question that I actually know the answer to, or at least I can refer them to where to find the answer, and I have a few seconds to type it out. I'm not the person that's going to scroll by and go, you know what? That's too beginner level to me. I'm not going to waste my time with these rookies, like, psh, like wasting my time. Like, so I am literally the person that will answer the questions. And that's how I've built three successful companies. And when you think about that, most people kind of get to a level of expertise in something. They're like, I'm not going to help with the amateurs. Like let the other mid, mid-level people answer those amateur questions because I'm not going to help the people that ask the exact, you know, the high level stuff. So that's the wrong mentality because everybody starts somewhere. And you have to remember that that's where you started at some point And you would have been very for, you know, grateful to have somebody that actually had more than enough experience answering your question at that time. So be the one that answers questions. Don't scroll by. And another thing that here's another thing I do on social media, and I know that you're the same way. When I see somebody doing something positive in this world or for themselves, or whether that's posing a picture at the gym or they're, they're starting something new or they're, they're changing or evolving but you see, that's a positive thing for them. 
I hate that some people never get a like. I hate that no one ever responds. I hate that they don't get any support. I hate that. So I'm always going to be the first one. If, if I see that and then you're doing something good, I'm going to let you know I'm there. Whether it's going to throw you a heart or just, hey, keep going. Because I think we need more of that in the world. And some people just scroll past because I get it. Maybe you're in a bad headspace and, you know, look at this person thinking they're doing something great and I'm having a bad day. And you know what? That's why you're having a bad day is because when you start to understand that when you go help people and you acknowledge people for doing positive things, there's some kind of a chemical release in your own body that starts to realize like, hey, I'm actually contributing to other people's happiness you actually snap out of it. You actually start to feel better about yourself at the same time. So there is a reward system for being the person that likes the post that nobody else is liking when you see somebody struggling, but they're helping themselves and trying to improve. So be the person that answers questions, be the person that likes those posts when you see people doing good things. Yeah. I, you know, I see so much of what you're doing, Tony, since I've become a follower. One of the things that I value so much about your presence is you you give information. <laughs> you're not you're not afraid to share with people, hey, this is what I've learned. This is what I'm learning. This is what I'm doing. Just a tip. It's it's and and you're right about the whole mentality of some people to hoard information. Like, well, I, if I share it, then that means other people will be successful and then there's not enough left for me. It's like the the scarcity versus abundance mentality. And so I do think that that's like such an important thing to to pay attention to when you're finding people that you want to aspire to be like or you really enjoy their vibe is to is to have that that tribe where where you're you're elevating that uh, because there's there's just way too much negativity out there. And it's like, you have to, those are the ones you turn off, unfollow, get them out of your feed because it's really not doing anything for you anyways. But that's, that is such a, such a big thing because there's, if you turn on anything like the news, you're going to get all kinds of just disastrous things and every person poking at each other. So I, I actually think as an entrepreneur, as somebody that wants to be of to call yourself a leader is, is creating the atmosphere that you want to be in of positivity because there's so much to combat that there's, that's ready made. So instead of adding to that, you know, creating something that is actually going to help other people thrive. Yes. You know, yeah. so. it goes always back to the more that you help other people, the more that your return comes back to you in, in, in indirect ways in your entire life. I mean, it's just, you know, all of our opportunities in life come through other people, gatekeepers and people that are a little bit ahead of us or people that know somebody that can refer you. So, you know, the relationships are very important. And I see too many people nowadays are just really focused on being transactional rather than building actual relationships with people. Mm-hmm. And it's always about what's in it for me and what can I get out of them? And guys, it has nothing to do with people that, you know, if, if you're willing to help people without anything in return, that's going to pay off some way down the road. I just believe in that good karma, that the good reciprocity, it always comes back around. Yeah. So, and I do want to ask you this. So I, one of the things that I was inspired to start was a, a, a small, a small group um, of helping. I, it's funny. Cause we were, when we were at the Lewis house event, I think it was Rory Vaden who said on stage, like, your position to best serve the person you once were. Yes. So uh, that really resonated with me. Uh, so a couple months ago, I started this group called Born a Boss Babe, and it's helping 
people that are half my age that are in their early 20s, you know, um, to, to get ahead, you know, so to kind of think about life holistically. So I bring in an expert on a different topic, whether it's finances or relationship or health, mental health. And um, so to expand the aperture um, to so besides the kind of traditional going to college, getting a good job, which not a knocking. I did it. <laughs> did that too. Um, but it, I, I think there's something a little more than that, a little bit more that we can learn about from a mindset perspective that will position you. So even though you did those those traditionally accepted important things, um, that you you have a sense of self that is, is is truly driven by you and not because everyone else is dictating what you should do. Um, so I say all of that because the next topic that we're covering this weekend um, is networking. Mm. And I've been, you know, kind of mulling over. In fact, I'm making a video today to talk about it, to inspire them um, before we actually get into it. And I'm bringing a, a friend who's an entrepreneur to kind of talk about their business. But I, I just love your perspective on networking and kind of some of the things that maybe you've done to be a genuine person, to stay connected. So you do come across as an authentic person and not just a sleazy, like, well, I'm just going to be the person that comes to people when I need stuff, but you know, like not the other way around. Yeah. I'd say that's one of my weaknesses actually asking for help. I think that most of us struggle with that. It's just, we don't want to impose, we don't want to bother people. And we're always blown away when we finally do ask for help and we actually get help. We're like, whoa, why, why did I suffer for so long? I could have just asked for help. But yeah. again, we keep falling into that trap. That's just who we are, right? Yep. I'm notorious. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, I've, I've done it so much. And then I end up in tears until I'm desperate. Then I'm like, oh my gosh, all day, every day. Yeah. Like, I, I, I want to help. Like I wait for people to ask me for help. This is my jam. Like suddenly, suddenly your six month challenge that you've been trying to conquer gets solved in like six hours because you finally asked for help. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no kidding. What's next for you, Tony? What's the, what's the next, you know, when you, when you look out to the next year, what's in store? I, I really don't have... I guess, giant thoughts about the future anymore. Like I used to, I think I'm doing exactly what I was meant to do now, but it took me almost 50 years to find that. And I actually will be turning 50 in November. So it's kind of a pivotal milestone. I always look back and introspect and look back at my last 10 years. And I'm not the same person I was at age 40. And not that the person at age 40 version of Tony was a bad thing. It's just that there was a lot of things I just didn't understand. I, in 10 years, you gain a lot of awareness. It's the wisdom with age. And I thought I knew a lot at 40. I was very successful already. I had, you know, very, you know, my family and career and made millions of dollars and all that stuff. But I, I lacked a lot of understanding about human psychology and interactions with people as much. And I became really more fascinated with psychology and philosophy over the last 10 years and understanding why people do the, what they do and how they think why they think and understanding how to be more empathetic about why people's different perspectives are and also to learn how to take a stand. I think that a lot of times we, we kind of play middle of the road on polarizing topics and such, but a lot of times we do have really strong opinions about things, whether that's religion or politics or all the hot button topics. We do have very strong belief systems that are maybe rooted in research and experience from our own personal lives. But we're unwilling to say those kind of things. We're, we're kind of like, we don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to upset people. We don't want to hurt feelings. And 
the thing I've learned in the last 10 years is that it's okay to be polarizing, but you should still be respectful when doing it. And when people challenge you, they need to be equally respectful and debate you because, you know, we get into the name calling and the character attacks and things like we see in politicians and we see on the media. That's the wrong way to communicate. And that's one of the reasons there's so many problems in this world. But I also want to make sure that you're bold and you're actually putting your thoughts out there. And I would think about how, what does it take to be a thought leader? So the last 10 years, I'm thinking, how do I really become an authentic thought leader? What does that even mean to me? And what I would share is that thought leaders, they're willing to be very bold in their opinions of what they believe in today. It's almost like the acceleration curves. Like this is where I'm at today based on my current knowledge, my current experience, my current data research, my current wisdom, my all the things that I know today, this is my opinion on this one subject. And you should be bold about stating that, not take middle of the road, unless middle of the road is your true you know, response, but be bold about that. And it's going to offend people. It's going to make some people upset. It's going to push some people out of your circle. But the benefit of this is that you're going to greatly attract the people that you do resonate with into your circle. So you will push some people away, but you will greatly attract, not, not being middle of the road, you will greatly attract the people that resonate with your message and your belief systems. Now, that's not just being the thought leader, okay? Here's where most people fail at being a thought leader. They're very bold, they become very opinionated, but they're not willing to change their mind or change their position because that goes back to ego. So a true thought leader given new circumstances, given new realizations, giving new data, giving new research, giving new experience may formulate a different opinion. And a true thought leader is willing to be equally bold on that new opinion and not fear critics or judgment or being called a flip flopper or worrying about offending people that are in their past that tied to their old belief systems. Because I've seen a lot of people that believe something completely different than what they state because they don't want to offend the people of their past. Yeah. Oh, that is, that is so true. And I, but I think that's a part of the message. You know, I, t I told you this, my, my message is about being unapologetically you. Yes. Now I say that as if it was simple, but it's harder what I found in coaching people, including just taking my own advice of, of my, the journey that I'm on is, how difficult that actually feels in practice, because not everyone is going to like what you have to say, what you stand for, what you believe in, how you think. But that's that's not the point. <laughs> it's you. It's you owning who you are, what you're proud of, what you believe in, and knowing that the people that are meant to be there will be there. Not not everybody needs to be not needs to be there and not everyone needs a front row seat in your life either. So, um, but I think it takes a lot because we, we in, in America, and that's why I love learning just from people all over the world is it, it's a very much of a culture, my opinion, this is just Des talking of fitting in, don't go against the grain. You know, we want to be accepted, which the, you know, of course I think human, human condition is wanting to be heard, wanting to be accepted. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. But I think there's there's an acquiescence to following the line, you know, not wanting to get into arguments with family, you know, don't, you know, 
kind of relationship that you should have, the kind of thing that you should study, the kind of profession you should pursue, whether you have kids or don't have kids, whether, I mean, everything, you could just pick every single topic. You're what you, if you decided that you grew up a certain religion, but then figured out that, Hey, you know what? I kind of want to do this other direction. I mean, we have to answer those questions in every element of our lives. And sometimes the people you have to answer to are some of the people that are closest to you. And that's why I think it's hard. This, unapologetically you thing. It is, it, it is the hardest thing to do is to create boundaries and sever toxic relationships because it goes exactly what you're saying. We're, we're going against millions of years of human evolution to become pack animals. And so we're hardwired to fit in. We're hardwired to not be outcast from the, tr- the tribe or the pack because if you know early civilization, man, if you were outcast from the tribe, that meant certain death, essentially. That meant that you're going to lose access to your shelter, your food supplies, procreation, you know, community. You're going to lose all these things. You're going to be outcast. You're basically sentenced to death. And so you can't unwind millions of years and thousands of years of later human life of that wiring, that, that, that belief system, right? And so we keep toxic people in our relationships. We, we still surround people. We know that kind of are passive, aggressive, and negatively and not really supporting us. And we think about like, oh, well, I've known them 10 years. I don't want to sever them or create boundaries. Like that's the reason that you're still stuck where you're at. And the thing is, is that you talked about earlier about it's the five people that you hang around, you become like that. We all know that even when we're kids like, and we're running around with the bad kids and your parents are like, you don't hang around with those boys. They're going to get you in trouble. Like your parents knew this. Like we've yeah. we heard this a whole lot. And we've always denied it our whole lives. But then something happens, you get in the personal development space and you start to nod your head like, yeah, it's about the five people around. Yeah, it's the posse that we're around. And you agree with it finally, but you don't do anything about it. You don't get rid of those negative people. You don't create the toxic boundaries. Like just get rid of those people. You don't do it. So you don't really believe it if you're not really following through. And I'll tell you, that is one of the hardest things that you'll do. It is the hardest thing, especially when you know them 20 plus years and You know, for example, like we, my wife and I in 2018, we both made lists on New Year's days and I had like 10 names and she had 12 names. And we agreed as a married couple that we're going to get rid of these people and create boundaries. Like people, we just knew that weren't supporting us. People that were being passive aggressive friends and family. Doesn't Mm -hmm. I don't care if it's your mom or your dad, your grandma, people that are robbing your energy and making you feel lesser than you are, do not belong in your life, period. So create the boundaries and distance and just remove those people. Quit following them on social media, quit going to their events, quit answering their calls, make excuses for not going under events. Like there's polite ways to decline people. And if you do this enough, they just quit asking. And that's, that's the ideal thing that you want. Right. And so when you do this process, it's going to feel like there's a death. It's going to feel like you're mourning. It's going to feel like a relationship has died because essentially it has died because you're, taking a direction that's going to take some bravery and courage to not cave, but it's going to last two or three months, just like that, that feeling of loss. Mm -hmm. Like there's a piece missing because that piece of crap that's been in your life for so long that you allowed, that's a piece of your life, whether that's good or bad and it's gone and you're going to feel that. But I'll tell you, if you can just wait that out, just like if you were to lose a loved one and six months goes by, 12 months goes by, you're going to look back and realize that was the best decision you ever made in your life. And I'm not overstating this. It will be the best decisions, depending on how many that yep. you've made in your life, but you have to take that action and quit just nodding your head about it's the five that we you're around like that, that, that matters. Like you got to get rid of the old stuff too, if you're going to bring in the new. 
Yeah, yeah. You you don't have the capacity <laughs> to bring in the new if you're managing all of the old. Yeah. So, Tony, I want to shift into a couple of last questions. People get to know your perspective on this, these couple things. So the title of my show is Born Unbreakable. I believe that we have grit, we have tenacity, we have resilience. What makes you unbreakable? I would say that's my discipline and consistency. That's actually my key word is consistency. And consistency just means showing up every day. And it doesn't mean like the hustle and grind and like killing yourself every day. I don't believe in that. I'm actually think a lot of times people do that too much. I've had phases of my life like that, but I think that my, my discipline and my consistency to do things when I don't even feel motivated because I'm driven by results. I think too many people spend time on you know, Instagram looking for motivational speeches and things that make them feel inspired. And that's great, but it's a fleeting you know characteristic that just kind of goes out the window and you don't really result in doing anything. So successful people actually just operate and do things even when they don't feel like it, whether that's going to the gym or writing the next book or making the next hundred calls that you have to make today. You do it because you want the result. Preach. <laughs> Absolutely. What is a self-limiting belief that you've had to overcome? Self-limiting belief for me that I had to overcome was thinking that if I was going to make $100,000 a year, that I would be successful. And the, to give you an illustration, I like the story tell. The uncle that I thought that was the rich uncle, you know, everybody's got one of those in our family. When we go visit my grandparents in Shreveport, Louisiana, we go visit the other relatives that were kind of that same age. And my uncle Hollis, I always thought my uncle Hollis was the rich one of the family because he owned a hardware store and had the biggest house with the most property. And that was the perception I had as a child growing up. And then later on in life, maybe in my mid twenties, I was telling somebody this and my mom and dad were sitting at the dinner table with us. And my mom stopped me and she's like, Tony, Uncle Hollis was not rich. And I was like, what are you talking about? He had a big house and, you know, like a couple acres. And she's like, no. She goes, that was actually a trailer home. Do you remember like walking up the stairs to go in and how you and your cousins would yell through the vents in the floor in different rooms so you could hear each other and like, you know, make a game out of it? And I was like, yeah. She goes, that was a trailer home. He, he built a facade on the front of his trailer to make it look like a house. So I always thought like this big fancy white house with a porch, but it was actually just a trailer home with a facade on it. So these limiting beliefs, if you're thinking that you're never going to be more successful than your parents, or you know, you, you watch your parents work extremely hard and they never made a hundred thousand dollars. So why do you believe that you can do that? You know, who are you to, to, to outdo your parents, right? There's a lot of beliefs that I carried into that. And so, you know, a hundred thousand dollars, unfortunately is the same goal that has been around since the 1960s. And that's not a lot of money nowadays. You're going to be struggling if you're making less than a hundred thousand. I've been there. And so set your goals higher and start to remove the belief systems of what you think that you're worth, because most people, unfortunately, believe that they're worth what their pay is, what their salary is, what their hourly rate is, because of that's what the society has told them that they're worth. That's what their bosses told them that they're worth. That's what LinkedIn job postings have told you that you're worth. So you're convinced that that's all you're worth. But the reality is that there is no limits to what you can earn, but the limiting factor is what you believe that you're possible to earn. Yeah, I stack my hand on that wholeheartedly. What would you say is a superpower, something that you're really good at, that you're proud of? Teaching, mentoring. I've always wanted to be a teacher. I didn't want to be a school teacher because I wanted to go make $100,000. So that's why I became an engineer. But even as an engineer, I was always mentoring people and teaching people. So I have that aptitude to always want to help people. Even as a kid, I was a skateboarder. 
and I'll be really the kid with, I'll be out there falling a hundred times in a row and skinning up my knees and my elbows and learning these tricks. But as soon as I learned them and I could master them, I could not wait to teach my friends how to do that. So I've always had that personality to want to go teach. And here I am nowadays being a teacher, teaching business owners. So that's my superpower is teaching. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. You're an excellent teacher. Excellent teacher. What is something on your bucket list? Hmm. I would say that my bucket list is the life I'm living right now. I, I, I know that there's always room for improvement and I'm always gaining new awareness and new knowledge and experience, but uh, I'm very comfortable with uncertainty where most people crave certainty. We were talking about this before we fired the camera. People always want that steady paycheck because they think it's certain. Well, I'm okay with uncertainty and I'm, I've got the stuntman type personality. I'm okay putting myself in harm and driving cars on racetracks over 200 miles per hour and doing crazy things. But I've always been very fascinated by uncertainty and understanding that that's, that's where we improve. That's, that's like the growth occurs on the things that we don't understand or things that make us uncomfortable. So I used to think about fear and things that I was afraid of, but now I kind of, whenever I find a new fear, I kind of go, wow, let me go scratch that itch. Let me go figure out how to make that fear go away. And there's answers to every single thing that we fear, believe it or not. I mean, you could think that it's not true. Maybe you're scared of heights or spiders or whatever. Like you can literally get over every single fear you have if you're willing to put in the work. Most people would rather just avoid that situation. And for me, public speaking actually was a fear of mine. And I had to get over that. And I didn't want to be on camera and I didn't want to be on stages. And now I stand on stages with thousands of people. And it's this wasn't too long ago. This was 2015 that I realized that I had the fear of public speaking. So here we are. Time definitely changes you, but you got to put the work in. That that's that is new information. I would not have guessed that, Tony. Wow. That's but that but you're a testament. You're a testament to what you're what you're describing. You you have to start somewhere and, and continuously be consistent and disciplined and work on it. Tony, if there was one last piece of advice that you could give to anyone listening right now, what would it be? I guess I'm going to go back to the shirt that I'm wearing. So those of you that are only listening, I'm wearing a shirt that says, go earn yourself some haters. And when you think about that, earn yourself some haters, like Tony, why would I want someone to dislike me? Why would I want that? Well, you don't want that, but you have to understand that you shouldn't also be patting yourself on the back right now because you don't have any critics or haters because some people think that because they don't have any critics or haters that they're just a good person and they don't want to make everybody unhappy and they're just getting along and they're, you know, this BS let's be real because every single person in history, think of the biggest names, every single person in history that has impacted this world positively even has had critics, naysayers. And unfortunately some of them even had murderers, right? So think about the people that you can think of, like you know, Pope John Paul, Martin Luther King, like these big names, Selena, like some of the people that impacted the world positively had critics and they weren't, you know, Jesus Christ, big, big name, right? Had critics, had, had naysayers, had a murderers. So when you think about this, the people that changed the world the most are out there earning those critics and haters because the real problem is that if you do not have any critics or haters right now, I hate to tell you, it just means you're obscure and it means you're not doing anything that's worth noticing. Because as soon as you start to notice, do something worth noticing, you will have critics, you will have haters. 
you will have naysayers, but you've earned them because you're finally doing something worth noticing. Now, I'm not saying to go out and be antagonistic and start fights and create them that way. But if your intention is pure and you're doing things the right way and the right reasons, you will gain those. So, you know, we talk about the society and the group that I, I created. We actually celebrate haters. So whenever somebody gets a comment that's like their first hater, the critic, we say, hey, go screenshot that shit, bring it back to the company, we'll celebrate it with you because it means you finally are doing something that's getting attention, not a negative attention, but you're finally doing that. So go earn yourself some haters. I love it. Oh my gosh, that is so good. Tony, how can people find you, follow you, connect with more of the work that you're doing? Yeah, I would say since you're already listening to podcasts, go find my podcast. It's called 365 Driven. And if you want to see the social medias, I'm very active on LinkedIn and Instagram and Facebook, but you can find everything, my book at my website, keep it one place simple, 365driven.com. Consistency, back to the consistency. I love it. You have added so much value. I am incredibly grateful. I'm also happy that there will be more times that I get to see you and interact with you. I appreciate you coming on the show. It's been amazing. It does. It's been awesome to connect. And I really thank you for the opportunity for having me on the show. It's been a lot of fun and you have some good questions. So I can't wait to share this with my audience. Awesome. Thanks, Tony. Mr. Tony Watley. I am still reeling off of that interview. It was so awesome. I enjoyed every minute of it. And honestly, I could talk to that man for hours, but we are all busy and have only so much time. So I capture as much as I can uh, in these these precious interviews that I have. And I, I, I think he is brilliant. He has done so many things right. But beyond being excellent in business, he's just a good human being. Let's try that on for size. Let's start there and acknowledge that. I think that is it, that is absolutely vital. You know, you can be great in business and make a ton of money and be impressive for that reason. But if that's all you are and you're a shitty human being, that's not really someone that I'm down to create vibes and connections with. Um, so as a reminder, Side Hustle Millionaire, How to Build a Side Business That Creates Financial Freedom. Tony Watley, you can buy it on Amazon, hard copy, the Audible, my recommendation. Love it, love it, love it. He actually shared with me that he has extra information, an extra hour of content in there on the audio version. So you're in for a treat. If you get that version, do it, do it. One of the things that I love that is just such a simple thing that I'm going to, you know, I could re-highlight because it's basically the entire interview that I love with Tony, what my takeaways are. But this, this is, and he said this, take action, take action today, right now, whatever that next thing is and do it first thing, do it first thing. If you could do it right now, if you're listening to this, you know, at night, then just, you know, whatever, do it right now. If you're listening to this and it's first thing in the morning, make it a priority to do something related to the, your business, you know, and, you know, and Hey, maybe, maybe you didn't come to this thinking about a side hustle and that's not really what your jam is. Do take action on something that does matter to you right now in this moment, whether it's a phone call because there's a relationship that needs that. Um, if it is something for your business, maybe you need to do that upside update on the website, or you need to, you know, get with your marketing person or something like that, then do that. 
Maybe it's something for your soul. Maybe it's something related to your health. Do it. We absolutely live in a time right now where everything is about contemplation and thinking and overanalyzing and that gets you so far. At some point, you just need to take action. And as Tony said, the best entrepreneurs that he's ever known and seen are ones who learn along the way. Do not let, do not let perfection be the enemy of your progress. I'm going to leave it at that. I hope you've gained so much out of this interview. I am conveying, compelling, asking with utter urgency that you share this episode with anybody because with everybody, everybody that you think needs to hear it because it's not just about the, oh, go do a side hustle, make a bunch of extra money. It's about these characteristics of being a good human being, of being somebody that contributes to the world and doesn't just want everything handed to you and given to you and having a victim mentality. If you know somebody that needs to be uplifted right now, send this episode to them and it can make the difference in their day. Remember that you are your only limit. So take action today, follow, subscribe, comment, all the things and all the things. And I'll see you next time on another inspiring episode of the Born Unbreakable podcast.